Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. Today we're welcoming Ed and Sam from BA Games back to the show. We've been huge fans of their game, Cult of the Deep, for a while. And now they're about to kickstart their next amazing game, Forges of Ravenshire. We'll talk about lessons learned, why they make games, and dive into some real questions like, is it okay to deliver pizzas in a dungeon? So pull up a chair and enjoy a great conversation with a couple of great guys. Oh, and us. On this episode of The Dapper Meeple. All right, guys, so here we go. We are bringing back uh, a return guest, which we haven't had a lot of these yet, so this is big for us. Uh, Sam and Ed Stockton are both from BA Games. Now, we've talked about their first game that, that we got our hands on last year, which was Cult of the Deep, and we've talked about it in our top 10 list. We've talked about it when uh, we got to play it, so everybody that's listening should be relatively familiar with the game. Um, BA Games has since continued on, and they're getting ready to bring out their next game, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So... Sam, Ed, welcome to the show. We'll have to let the other one know that he was missed. Uh, <laughs> Poor Dave. <laughs> but yeah, he absolutely, welcome to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. So yeah, let's start uh, right now with uh, the elevator pitch for Forges of Ravenshire, which is the second game that's coming out. Um, tell us about it. Um, if you're trying to sell this thing fast, uh, just kind of give us the quick, uh, what's good about it? Why do you think people should own it? And then we'll talk a little bit about the Kickstarter. Alright, so, Forge Ravenshire, the, you're in the town of Ravenshire, and you're all blacksmiths, and you're trying to figure out who's going to become the new Forge Master, because they have mysteriously disappeared. So, what you're going to do is have a competition for a year, over four seasons, and you're going to see who can make the most money. Whoever makes the most money becomes the new Forge Master of the Blacksmith Guild in Ravenshire. And why it's really interesting to play is, basically, every season, we're going to do, you're going to be sending your, your dice workers out into the town to gather resources. But then you're also going to be retrieving new workers from the town, which will also give you more resources. But depending on what die you take from the town or worker, there could be one from the Alchemist Guild or one from the Merchant's Guild, which is based on color. You have been throughout the time building these engines. So I might pull the Alchemist Guild or the yellow die and it goes into my Alchemist Guild workshop. It'll start to do actions that I have been, you know, hiring for and different things. So it may give me all these different resources that I've been um, building towards. And so that's kind of like the interesting, the place, take, and then run a guild. So there's three times you'll get resources. And then once you're done with the season, you'll move into production and run all your forge uh, stuff, turning wood into charcoal, making steel, and all this stuff, and making all these different items in order to make money. Nice, nice. Yeah. So this one is kicking off. Uh, when does the Kickstarter actually go live? The official Kickstarter is April 18th. Um, until then, uh, where are some places that people can find it, maybe to try it beforehand? Okay, so we have two places. We have Tabletop Simulator. So there's a TTS mod there available. You can guys can download it, you know, play it in a workshop, whatever. Also, by the time this episode airs, I believe it was soon, 
Uh, it should also be on Sovereignty, S-O-V-R-A-N-T-I. Yes. So, and that's a platform that um, is only really been making waves here in the last year or so. Um, mm-hmm. But they're really focused on online games or converting games into like an online platform. Um, if you haven't checked them out, we'll put a link in on the show notes as well. They do have a lot of stuff for you to go play. Um, it looks like it's so it was really well ran. I think they were at well, they were they were at PAX as well. Yes. PAX Unplugged. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they're at PAX Unplugged. You'll see them at Gen Con. They're hitting all a lot of the bigger cons and things like that. Their platform is really nice because you can actually pull it up on your phone. So if you've got a phone, you can play the, play the apps on your phone. It also, you know, it's also browser based. You know, I think you install it, but it's pretty much running out of your browser. And the nice thing is, um, Tabletop Simulator is great. I like Tabletop Simulator for a lot of games, but it doesn't enforce the rules. Whereas mm-hmm. in Sovereignty, you have to, it will enforce the rules. You can't do something illegal because you're not, it's not a physics engine. It's just click the buttons, the move pieces and do the things, which is nice for games like Forza mm-hmm. of Shard and things like that, because you can't break the rules. The rules are there. Yeah, I, I've actually played with uh, or played around with that platform a little bit because um, we were we follow their Instagram page. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, there were a couple of things that popped up on there that I was like, oh, that looks really nice. I'm going to check that out. Uh, I do love Tabletop Simulator, but I agree it can be um, a little fiddly at times, too, um, yes. especially since you have to usually do like everything. So but still absolutely great places. Definitely check that out. One of the things that um, I know we've t- actually talked about Forges of Ravenshire a little bit when we did our PAX Unplugged kind of wrap up show because um, we talked about our fantastic defeat uh, that we had. We went down game. swinging, baby. I think that's what's important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we talked a lot about um, a lot of things that we liked about it. Obviously, you know, there have been more stuff added uh, since we played even at PAX. So definitely fantastic to, to see more of that and, you know, check it out on the Kickstarter. Um, but we want to talk about, obviously, your first game, Cult of the Deep. Um, everything has now kind of gone through. It's been out a little while. You've gotten it in a lot more people's hands. Um, what are some of the things that you guys learned after that Kickstarter and kind of the, the aftermath from it? Oh, quite a bit. You know, uh, the aftermath of Cult of the Deep was interesting. Um, one with timing, because right, right when we were manufacturing and delivering and doing all that stuff, you had the the crazy shipping thing going on in the mm-hmm. uh, tabletop world where like, you know, shipping containers will like this. And then, Oh look, it is now five to eight times the price. You know, that was in the middle of that. Um, learned a lot about Sam could probably talk since he dealt a lot with the graphic design after the Kickstarter closes with files, how that operates, getting the files prepped, double checking how just the basic logistics and, point A to point B to point C to get everything done and completed. There's a lot of checklist items that like, you're like, Oh, that can't be that hard. And then you're like, it's really not hard, but it is definitely more tedious, you know, things like that. I I would definitely say, um, the process It's important to front load as much as you can before Kickstarter. I think, um, I mean, they called the deep came out very well. Yeah, uh, I think, but, but there's, I wish we would have been able to push it out sooner. But they're just, you know, files that go to the manufacturer, they're like, no, this isn't quite right. Like, okay, well, let's fix it. Or they produce it and be like, no, that's not good enough quality. It needs to be this level. Right. So there's a lot of things that, looking back on it, I wish we would have uh, front-loaded a little more of that before the Kickstarter. Um, just that way, you know, try and get it into you know, people's hands sooner. Though we did almost hit a year. Our goal was to get it within a year, and we almost made it. I think Australia cool. made it, but that was the only one. That's, that still counts. That still counts. Yeah. yeah. Australia got it. Australia got it. But, you know, they're just a hop, skip, and a jump from China. So, 
that was one of the things that for I know me um, was a huge detail was the production quality when we got our hands on it and actually opened the box up. I mean, the the card stock is so good. And then you've got the raised back on all the cards and stuff and the bags and the die. And just I mean, the production quality in this game was so good. It didn't it didn't feel like your first Kickstarter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, it just it, like I was blown away with just how good all of the components were when we got them onto the table. And I don't even think we got the fancy one either. Like, I think we just had the, the standard. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had to get the because we had to get the play mat when we were there at PAX this year. Uh, <laughs> Which we're going to bring that and we got to get y'all to sign it. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it was that kind of stuff that, I mean, moving forward, I, I once you I feel like once you've done something and you've done it well, you're like, oh. That's how we do it, and I just kind of expect that you know we're going to get the same kind of production quality out of forges when you know when that comes out. Yeah, generally. So that's kind of Ed and I talked a lot at length when we started BA Games mm-hmm. was what kind of company do we want to be? Yeah, and we've been approached by different people about hey, we'll do cult, but I want you to make it cheaper, and we're like, you know, it's like that's that's the question, and it's tempting, you know. Someone says, hey, we'll make a bunch of your game. Just I want you to drop it down. And it's like, but like part of what makes cult cult, in my opinion, is, is like you said, it's that presence. It's that quality. And yes. so that's something that um, I think we value quite a bit. Yeah. And that shows like that shows with Cult of the Deep. Um, we've pulled it out and played it here at the house uh, several times with different people in and stuff. And that's one of the things that they always they're like, wow, this is a really nice game. And I'm like, yeah, stop bending the cards. What's wrong with you? Slap <laughs> their hands. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to get one of those little cattle prods just to keep at the table to get people. <laughs> Messing up my games, jerk. But yeah, uh, Cult of the Deep, like I said. The seats. Yeah, there you go. That's, be, that's the way to go. They just have the buttons, like Dr. Evil at the head of the table. As yes. if we need to put any more gizmos on our table. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> hey. Now we have ideas for our table 2.0. I love the idea of these, these buttons. Like, oh, the seat four? Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. It needs to happen so bad. That's it. It's, it's a, that's candid for table 2.0. Oh, Jesus. And what you do is you put the buttons underneath the table so no one knows. Yeah, right? Oh, man. Well, and so you just got to memorize positions, man. You just hit that button. What's that? Easy. Yeah. We'll just, just, just count inside to outside. You're good. You're good. I already thought it, it works for RPGs, too. Oh, so yeah. Make sure the GM sits at the front and they can just like. <laughs> we'll have to. Our, the table that we built has what we call the DM cockpit. So at one end of it. Uh, yeah, I've got all my like cords and cables and everything. So yeah, I, we could fit it in. Absolutely easy. That's an easy one. Next thing you know, playing an RPG at our table is going to be like when you go to those shows at the theme parks where you get like you know the the air blows on your legs with like the spiders run across them and the water shoots <laughs> yeah, in your face when you go through the like waterfall. Yeah. or five D or whatever they call it. That's awesome. I thought you were going to go like a Japanese game show route where <laughs> <laughs> you want to break through that wall, you must face. Like you throw a brick at Oh, no, it's like quiet the library or whatever it is. We're all in the library and they can't laugh. And you get slapped in the face. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, I was over there for years. Like, they have a very, like, slapstick comedy goes a long way over there. It's great. Well, they, do it so, they do it so well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about, like, is there any partnerships that you guys made when you were, like, with Cult? Did, were there any partnerships that carried over or anybody that you found that was like, wow, I really want to work with these guys or I definitely want to keep these guys on the team? Um, anybody in particular, any company that you worked with that is still hanging around? You want to answer some of that? Yeah, we, we enjoyed it when we worked with, with Cult of the Deep, right? Um, and then this is where it gets interesting with different projects and stuff like that. So 
Uh, we did have uh, Liam Peters. He did a lot of the artwork for Cold of the Deep. He's the one that ended up doing the main board. So you'll see the main board of Forges will be him as well. Oh, nice. um, but most of the art style is a little bit different, right? Right. Cold of the Deep is very photorealistic almost and things like that. Um, the art for Forges is very cutesy. I guess would be the best way to describe it, right? Yet I get that. Anthropomorphic yeah. animals. Yep. You know, the badger's got like his tongue sticking out there, like, blah, you know, like he's very concentrated, you know, things like that. And so that requires a different person. And then, you know, graphic designers, we love the graphic designer we worked with. We'd work with him again. Um, but this project required a little bit of a different skill set than what he had for Cult of the D because I didn't think about it. But a graphic designer isn't just a graphic designer, right? You have graphic designers that are like video guys. You have graphic designers that are artwork guys. You have graphic designers that are much more like, I've slapped the things on here and I work with user interfaces and things like that. And this game needed very much a user interface symbology and a lot of that stuff that's going on, which Cold of the Deep didn't have that as much, right? There's a lot of the text that you needed text and you couldn't get away with symbology in the cards. You had to have the text. Right, just like magic uses symbology to a certain extent, sure. but it always has text on the bottom of the cards. And Cold of the Deep was very much fell into that category where you couldn't just symbolize everything and have it make sense. Forges is a little bit different, needs a little bit different mm. skill set as far as, hey, I need this to read symbology. I don't need all, all this text to explain this stuff. I need this to transform to this. And so it's a different skill set in the graphic design area. So we ended up using a different graphic designer that way. Yeah, so I, <laughs> you mentioned the different art styles, and I was thinking about this earlier because that was one of the things that that we talked about. How like they even what we've seen, obviously they look completely different, but the art is still really well done. Um, but I do think if you're still taking suggestions this late in the game, that if there are not any Kickstarter um, like stretch goals for like a cultist blacksmith or like even like a, <laughs> a cute Kraken blacksmith, I really think there's an opportunity there. You know what I'm saying? But well, no. <laughs> Sam's the one in charge of the art and all that stuff. He's the one that does the art direction. He's the, he's the master behind, behind all that. He does all the – it's his portion. Though there is – you know, you mentioned two things, the Kraken and then cultist. If you look at the main board, you may or may not see two of those things that are interesting. A little callback to Cult of the Deep. Nice. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's what we were wondering. Is like, I mean, game number two, the, you, you got to at this point. <laughs> look at the leather district. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then look across the uh, the river. You'll see some a couple things there. Nice. Yeah, and, and there there may or may not be uh, a certain dagger and sword from cult in the game as well awesome that's something that you can build nice so, yeah there, there's a few things that we decided to put in we won't spoil them all because then it's no no fun looking yeah oh, right absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> but we definitely wanted to harken back to some cool things. and that's the thing that was nice is because we had liam peters do the main board right so it's like liam we want to do some things from Colt. He's like, I gotcha. Nice. <laughs> so, you, so you started adding all this different stuff. And I'm like, where, where did this idea come from? He's like, I thought it was great. I'm like, oh, you're right. It is great. <laughs> so Liam just kind of ran with it. And so it was pretty good. Yeah. And then the character artwork was Andrea Radick. And she's super awesome. She does Magic the Gathering. So if you see some of these cute magic cards um, and a few other things, that's what Andrea Radick did. Um, and she did amazing artwork for the four characters, right? With the Pine Martin and the badger, the the raven, and the uh, oh the this the rabbit and raccoon, 
right? It's just gorgeous artwork. And she has a certain style. It's just it's phenomenal. And it's just awesome artwork. Yeah. They, the stuff that we've seen so far, uh, there's been some postings and stuff. Uh, what little we've seen looked really good. Like I'm, well, I know the one we the one we played was still prototype. Is that fair? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they were on three D printed boards with uh, glue stick uh, paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you you make it work, however you make it work. Hey, it was a, it was a quality Elmer's glue paper. I don't think we used right with the uh, Xerox A three two fifty. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> well, we like I said, we sat down and played this at PAX, and I mean, we played a full game. Uh, so we were there yeah. for like an hour and some change and stuff, which was great. Uh, yeah, the original intention was to like, do a demo with you guys. Yeah. You guys were like, nah, we're just going to play it. I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> we were looking at you, Sam. You just seemed like you were into it. We were like, yeah, let's just keep going. <laughs> Sam will tell us we need to go do something else. So, yeah, don't don't mind us. We've never worked a booth. We don't know what we're doing. It, it, I, I, I might have uh, indulged a bit there and just like, <laughs> I want to play a game with friends. That's yeah, there you do. go. <laughs> hey, I, PAX was crazy on a good day. Um, I can only imagine work in those booths and like at some point you just got to go i gotta take a break i'm gonna take a break yeah no judgment here well, so who's made your dice for this game who's what? making them yeah was well, somebody i thought there were i feel like there was a discussion about somebody so, making fancy dice we will have fancy dice again so if you look at cult of the deep we did the fancy dice with don breaker right yeah. uh don breaker dice they have gorgeous handmade yeah, dice. They do. two ladies out of uh kansas kansas and texas yes so Super awesome, ladies. We work with them with Cult of the Deep. Um, so we will be having a similar pledge level uh, with Dawnbreaker Dice uh, for Forge of the Ravenshire. So we're going to offer more pledges because we were only, we were only able to offer four four of those pledges with Cult of the Deep. Yeah, because of the, the, like there was a set of dice for each character, right? And there's nine different characters, and you, you ended up being like fifty something dice. It was a lot of dice. Yeah. Um, so Forges is only going to have about twenty dice. So we like dice. But, I'm with you. We're right so, there. <laughs> because there's less dice, we'll be able to offer more of that pledge level where it's like, hey, you get these dice. Um, and all you got to do is go to Dawnbreaker Dice, look at their Facebook page, go to their store. They open once a month and they sell out usually within the first couple hours of the day. All their dice are gone. They, they make absolutely gorgeous dice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm following. I think I'm following them on Facebook. Um, yeah. Because they pop up every now and then. Uh, and yeah. me and the, the girlfriend. She's always looking over my shoulder, like, ooh, I was like, yep, yep, yeah. This is how it starts. I, uh, so yeah, that's actually that's actually another partner that we really enjoyed with Cult of the Deep was Don Breaker. Yeah, we, we really enjoyed working with them. So, and just looking at all the shinies and all the lovely dice, it's just I love their their feed. I just like if I'm feeling a little sad or <laughs> want to spend money, I just kind of go over and be like, ooh, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a set for my wife for Christmas last year. She had a nice set of like these clear with blood drop looking blood oh, red dice because yeah. the wife's the blood mage. And so she's just it's like, oh, they're so pretty. Right. It's so good where you could buy somebody dice too to fit their character. So, yeah, yeah that's awesome. been a yeah, that's been a, a kind of a go to Christmas for like our D&D gaming group. So it's like, what characters are we mm-hmm. playing now? And the one yeah. guy just keeps getting the same one who that had like little daggers in it because no matter what character he plays, he's playing his original character just in a different skin. <laughs> so <I just> keep... <laughs> it never changes. It never changes. It never changes. Guy. So yeah, it's a totally different character, guys. Does he have a dagger? <laughs> yes. Is he having? Yes. Is he, he just that people? Is he dark and brooding in the corner until somebody starts talking and then he cuts him off? Yeah. Okay. Same. Character. Yeah, but he has red hair this time and exactly. wears red clothes instead of black. <laughs> and he's from a different part of the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, he's a half elf instead of a real elf. Yeah. <laughs> 
So let's talk about, uh, so what was the inspiration for this? Because this game is very different from Cult of the Deep. Um, where Cult of the Deep was that social deduction, there was the rolling mechanic, that Yahtzee mechanic that I really liked. Um, and you're trying to figure out who people are and what their intentions are based on the actions that they roll up and play, right? Where Forges of Ravenshire is not. I mean, now we're talking, like like you said, worker placement, worker taker. Um, you've got the dice mechanic that that is kind of rolled into that um, for who you're putting where and what you're taking back. Uh, so where where did the inspiration to go a whole nother, like, direction? Because I know we talked before and, you know, you guys were like, yeah, we're going to do something different. And this definitely was. So, I mean, and done yeah. well. You wouldn't expect it from the same company. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so we're branching out on number Gi- two. I'm with it. Like giant kraken, evil brooding, murder each other, happy go lucky friend time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All of their cute little animal lucky. Stab your friend with sharp objects time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's kind of funny because actually, Order of Ravenshire started off as a Viking game. Okay. When I, when I first did the original design, because. Um, I really like a lot of designers when they start designing things, they usually take whatever's around them at the time or like they're, they're, they're very, I think they're very influenced by what they're doing. So a lot of designers are influenced by games they play, which is, or TV shows are watching or whatever, which sure. is it's an important designer then to make sure you have new experiences. But so Fortune Fire was, you know, I religiously watched that show. Nice. Nice. Which is great. Um, I've been playing. Um, Raiders of the North Sea. Yep. Which is great. Yep. I also been playing like Dwellings of Eldervale from Luke Laurie. And so I've been playing a number of these games. And I'm like, and then I, I was really into, um, I liked history. And so you ever heard of like the Ulfbert sword? Yes. Yes. The ones they're still yeah. trying to figure out how they forge that. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a really cool Nova documentary about it. Yeah. That I would highly encourage anyone to watch. It's actually really cool. But it goes through like how this why the sword is so cool is because it's actually like a higher level, higher uh, grade of steel than what was normally used. And so they're trying to figure out well how they do that and stuff. And while doing a lot of research into that, it's like, for example, like, oh, I want my sword to be, you know, more powerful. So I want the spirit of the bear in my sword. So I'm going to throw in some bear claws. Right. right? right. That way, the essence will be in the sword and be so much cooler. Well, come to find out. Bear claw, the bone, right? Well, when that breaks down, it's a carbon source, and carbon source plus iron can equal steel at right. a certain point. And so that's how you made like a higher quality steel on accident. And so that's kind of like the story of the Ulfbert to a certain extent is trying to figure out different things. So when I made the game, it was very like realistic with some kind of like with like some elements of like, well, you put the bear, like a claw of a bear in there. That would give the sword, you know, certain like increased strength or attack. Because the second part was you're supposed to equip Viking groups and then go attack people. So it was, it was really centered around like equipping your your raiders or selling to different raiders and have them go out. And then if they're successful, then you become more renowned and, right. and stuff like that. You kind of it was kind of more of that route. When I first designed it, then it just it's like this is too big, <laughs> it's yes. too much game. Plus, Champions of Midgard already does that to a certain extent. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, no, we can't do that. So we focus on the forging aspect. Like, oh, well, we did a forging game because there hasn't been that many of those recently. And so then we started getting the worker placement. Well, 
We'll take one, take, well, place one, take one. Okay, but what if we ran an engine? Oh, that's cool. And then there's like recruit different people. So whenever I pull that die, I get to run this cool engine. Okay, that feels good. And then it just took a while to eventually figure it out. And then it kind of transitioned from Viking to like, oh, we'll do some like medieval forging to like, oh, you know what? Let's just, uh, Redwall. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's <Yeah>. do <laughs> animals. Yeah, there you go. And, and so, and that kind of really triggered it up because it's more, it's, it's less of a combat game and more of like a Euro worker placement, you know, it is build your engine kind of game. Yeah. And so they're like, well, you put an angry Viking guy with blood on the front. That's not going to be for everyone to, to play that game. But if you made it a little more accessible, then it's going to, I think, better fit into the marketplace. I can see that. And from what when we played it, yeah, um, I was I've like I've talked many times about how um, I'll take my uh, Ameritrash games. <laughs> like I'm just I was never big on like the Euro like because they really kind of for me they're more about mechanics and I like a theme. Um, mm-hmm. and what I liked about Raven Terror when we played it, um, I kind of get a little bit of both. There's still that theme out there that I'm digging, um, but it very much is like you're working a mechanic, you're building an engine to make it, you know, to score points, mm-hmm. which you built a very good engine, Sam. It was a great engine. We watched it. <laughs> 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 kind of like know, the first time somebody saw a tank, watch it roll right over him. I knew, like, oh, I'm going to crush these guys. This is going to be great. I love it. <laughs> so, so you were thinking about it. It's like, man, I'm going to crush these guys. I hope they get over it. And then you rolled with bigger it. Bigger and bigger and bigger. No, it, it wasn't like it over. You're going to be like, that'll be fine. That'll I be- just want to win. <laughs> I will say, even in defeat, it was it was really good to play. What I liked about... What I liked about Ravenshire, um, and Josh could probably be way smarter about this than I am. Um, he's the brain. I'm just the talent. Uh, yeah. That it's just like Cult of the Deep where there is no single one thing happening. Like you are dealing with multiple mechanics at the same time and getting those to mesh in just the right way is how you score the points later on. Where you can do, you could learn this game and do good at it. But there is definitely a higher tier of doing really well, like doing excellent at the game. Um, and I kind of like that. Like I could sit down and play it and two or three or four times. And I feel like I would start to get the plan together. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I always like that. We like that about Cult. Cult was the same way. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. And Ravenshire was the, the same way where we play like Raiders of the North Sea. Yep. So I was familiar with that mechanic. Um, but then there's, you know, when you go into that other part where you're doing the production, it's like, oh, now this means something more. And I get that. So that's what I really liked about it when we got to sit down and play it. Yeah, I know we, we talked about cult. Actually, when we did our top 10 list, the main reason that I think we put cult on there was because of how much of a game it was. Like it's, it's more than just your standard social deduction game, which we're not a fan of really social deduction games in general, usually, but we really like took to cult just because of the extra stuff that you can do with it. The amount of game that is in there is fantastic. Um, and that's really the reason why we talk about it a lot. And I really like that with forges, you guys have really brought that into that there. It's not just worker placement. It's not just engine building. It's not just production. It's all of those things combined to, to really make the whole thing sing. And I really, I really do enjoy it. Even just the one time we got to play it, I messed around with it on Tabletop Simulator actually quite a bit. Um, and just every time, like, like you said, the depth of strategy that's there is fantastic. Um, but it is still, you guys still kept it accessible, yeah. Uh, which I think is is a really, really great place to be. So. 
Do you have a favorite mechanic in this game? Like, is there one part that really stands out to you? Uh, I'll let Ed go first in this one. For those that can't see, Sam just had a huge smile. So, yeah. <laughs> Ed? My my favorite mechanic is um, I play a card. It's an asymmetric card. It says, I win. <laughs> one, two, three, I win. That's my favorite mechanic. Ed, no. that's, not, that's not in this version yet. That was in the last version. Oh, man. Oh, out. He still no, keeps I, that card. <laughs> I enjoy the game. Yeah, Sam it's got it in his wallet, just in case. Go ahead. I like to build engines. I half the time I play engine builders just to build the engine, and I lose horribly. But I have some of the best time. Um, like I am not good at Splendor, right? Because Splendor, in order to really win at the game and be competitive at the game, you really want to stovepipe into you know two or three colors, usually two, sometimes a third. I just like to build broad, and I like to do that kind of thing. And so I just enjoy engine building games. I lose at most of them 99% of the time. When I win, it's like, yeah, it's a good day. But even when I lose. So I enjoy some of the engine building aspect of the game. Um, that's that's what I enjoy. Um, so because I'm, I'm much more of a negotiating type player with a lot of games. I enjoy Euros. I enjoy a lot of these things. But I like political games or games that involve negotiations more than the, the mechanics of it itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do enjoy this game because the other thing I like to do is engine building. Yeah. I'm, I'm not competitive at engine building because I suck at it, but I enjoy it nonetheless. You build well, the engines. Your engines you are build. really good at. Okay, they're not good at winning the game. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. It's it's just like orc players in 40k. You never meet an unhappy orc player. They don't care. They got to come. They got to show up and fight. Whatever. Hey man. <laughs> yeah. That's why I play. That's, that's why so I play true. Orcs in 40k. That's why when I play Blood Bowl, I play the goblins. That team is horrible. They can't. <laughs> even score half the time but when you win you're like you just got beat by a goblin player <laughs> just rub it in yeah just rub it in my troll didn't eat the goblin chucked down at the touchstone i'm just saying uh, no so that's probably like one of the things that i really enjoy as well is the engine building i think it's probably a brother thing because i think we all really enjoy it i think a lot of the games we play like just for some reason like engine building really kind of works for us right but um for me also it's the um, it's almost like a mini game afterwards. We're in the production phase because the dice that you pulled now have to be used for the other side of the board. We're actually running the forge. And I like how the resources flow where wood can become charcoal, then charcoal and ore become steel. And then you're trying to like find a, a it, it feels good to, to go through like the flow and the process. And you don't have to do it because like, oh, my engine got me all this steel. I don't need to make more steel. Maybe I'll do this instead. That can go somewhere else. And right. so how the engine then affects that production phase is really – and I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, that was uh, – toward the end of our gameplay, that really started to kind of um, come out when I was playing. I was like, oh, well, I need to make this, but I need this and this to make it. And I was like, well, I have some of it. And then I'd like look at my board and be like, oh. Oh, I can make charcoal. Oh, I need some wood. Whatever. You throw that in the furnace. Um, but yeah, uh, that was part of it too. Like I said, that there's just, there's the engine building part of it where you can be good at it, but if you really catch on to it and it clicks, yeah. Yeah. I really like that part where in the production phase, it's like, oh, well, I'll just make more charcoal. That's not a problem. I think that mechanic was a lot of fun. Like I didn't really figure it out. Like I said, I think we were in the fourth season and I was like, oh, shit, I can make my own stuff. Cool. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, right? Thanks. It happens. Sam, do you do you keep track of how many wins you have on the game? Or like does the counter not officially start until it's like in production? How does that work? Uh, I win so much anymore I don't even bother counting. 
I disown him. Not my brother. <laughs> Whatever. As a guy who will, you know, there's been a few games in the past where, like, yeah, we're going to play the game. We play it, and then, oh, by the way, there's this rule. Like, where'd that rule come from? You never taught us that. Like, don't worry about it. I just won. Yeah. <laughs> it's that card. That's, not true. That's his that card that he keeps every time. Ad Astra, man. I still, Emily and I still remember that game. <laughs> so now when we play a game with Ed, it's like, no, we're going to read the rule book first before yeah. we play with you. <laughs> Bro, like, like, that happened once. That happened once. Only once. Don't be it's not my fault. You suck at it. Especially diplomacy. Just saying. <laughs> okay, that's just anger. He won't even play diplomacy with me anymore. It makes me so sad on the inside. Like, I like that's that because game. you're too... I am terrible. So, this is the thing about Cold of the Deep. I am terrible. Which is why Cold Deep was made. I am terrible at social deduction. I am terrible at lying. I am terrible at any kind of negotiation or diplomacy. I am terrible at all these games. So I made a game that provides evidence, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where you're going to use these dice, and then we're going to, you know, then I can kind of get a better feel for what the crap's going on. Nice, nice. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of like neurodivergent people that we have listening, going, "Oh, got it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. Does you actually keep track of all your wins and plays, Sam? I just play games. Uh, I keep track of scores. I don't necessarily keep track of who won. Yeah. I keep track of, okay, this person won with a heavy reputation build. How far did they get? How high did their score go? But you're doing that for, like, design. Like, you don't actually, like, track, like, you won this or won that. or Because uh, I know some people track, like, their plays and their wins and things like that. And I get it. You know, I just, I'm not a numbers guy. I just want to play games. Right. Like, I, I guarantee you I, I lose so many more games than I win. But, you know, I just have fun anyways. Yeah, I mean... I think, yeah, so I don't track any of the wins or anything like that. Um, though I have been starting to track wins, not for myself, but for people who play the game. Yeah. Because I, I did play it three times. I want to see if their score goes up. Yeah. Is the game rewarding you for more skill? And yeah. that is something that I've been doing recently. And it's been good to see that, like, okay, it's actually going up. Okay, that's great. That's good. That's good. And so, like, we've had a lot of that happening as of, as of late. Um, also by having the scores, I know kind of when I start doing design tweaks, yes, how much this should impact the score. So like, Oh, if I do this and this, that should lower scores by six gold, for example, or right. like whatever that way, you know, give or take. And there's still a lot of variety because it's a dice game. So dice can go your way. They cannot, yeah. you can then invest in fixing them. There's a lot of strategies in the game. So it's not really set in stone, but I still want to get into like a range. A certain range. So sure. someone wins by, oh, I got 200 points. You got 40. So <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> it's too, I, much, too much. And I imagine, too, because with a game like this, you definitely don't want to have a set strategy. Like, there's one way to win, right? Like, what's the what's the social deduction game that, like, you can get thrown out of groups if you don't play it right? Like Secret Hitler? Yeah. 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 So oh, yeah. you want, yeah. You want, like, every character has an equal chance to win this, like, there is no one guaranteed strategy from where you after like when we get to the end of production, like that's the game that you're that we're putting out. So mm-hmm. you can play any care, any of the characters, you can put together a strategy and you've got just as good of a chance. I mean, unless you just suck at strategy, which that was that was our problem. I definitely <laughs> mine. I, I mean, you are notably bad at engine building, though. Like, yeah, we've had this conversation. Yeah, like bull in a china shop. <laughs> Hey, build this engine. Is there a gun on it? No. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just, you know, it's just the way it is. But, you know, certain games tend towards that, especially with min-maxing. Um, 
And I think I think a good Euro doesn't have that all the time, right? There are some Euros that you play, and when you play with someone who's played the game several times, and especially with card drafting or some kind of mechanics, like, why did you not pick that up? I'm like, oh, did I need to? It's like, yes, that card shows up. You always pick it up because if you don't, someone else will and you'll lose. I'm like, okay, yeah. I guess. But then where's, where, where's, where's that meaningful choice? Yeah, exactly. Right? Where is like, at, that, at a certain point, when you have too many of that in a game or a game does that too much, you're like, I might as well just put this on a video screen and let the computer play, right? Because yeah. it's going to do everything for me. Right. Unless mm-hmm. I really enjoy doing the math in my head and my, the Excel spreadsheet and doing the thing, I'd rather just play the game. Um, I think that's where Forge is, like Sam says, besides that little mini thing, there's a little bit of market and there's a lot of being able to switch back and forth with what you're trying to accomplish. Like, so, say someone grabs a, a certain guild or a certain dice. Well, there's another way to accomplish your goal. Right. It may not be the most optimal, but it is the most optimal for what you currently have or what's currently going on. And I think that makes a game better with those meaningful choices or how to get from point A to point B, as opposed to they just grab that. They will now win. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, that kind of thing. That's a mechanic that I don't like when there's no, you know, one definite you do this thing and you'll win. And it's like, that's yeah. that's no fun. Everybody's just trying for that then. Yeah, we've we've talked about it a couple of times when we've done like game reviews and stuff. Those moments that feel bad, um, like in games, and just I mean they happen for various reasons. But I I like games like Forges that that gives you that dynamic choice because then you end up still with it may not be you know what you imagined at the beginning being the most optimal route, but you still have these really moments that feel good. Like you're still making the things you want to make. You're still finding you know, shortcuts and things like that, that are just like at the end of the thing, you, like you said, you have an engine that it does something. It may not always be the best thing, but it still does something. Um, and I think that really goes a long way to, to making a game feel good. Yeah. 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 I think forges is literally what I call it. The, the pellet heater. Like it, it, what it is, is you hit the button and like something good comes out and like, Ooh, that felt good. Yeah. You can do it again. You can do it again. And that's basically forges in a nutshell, because like whenever you place a die, you're like, Ooh, I'd play something optimal. Oh, I'm going to take a die on. Oh, I run this engine. Oh man, that number works over here. Oh, I built the contract. And so the idea is like, you keep getting these like little positive, like reinforcements happening. And so you're like, Ooh, that's great. Yeah. So that's kind of, yep. yeah. And it's interesting to come you made about like feels bad, right? Like I, this is where I, I, I'm probably divergent with some people. Like, I don't necessarily think a game shouldn't ever make you feel bad. Like, you look at Forges. Yes, it has that pellet thing where it's the hit the button, get a reward, hit the button, right? Almost like Pavlog's dog, ring the bell, you start drooling, you get get a treat. That happens. But at the same time, there are things where you're like, I want that dice, and it gets taken. Now, that doesn't feel great. That's not hit the button, get a treat. However, there are so much other good things and so many other options mm-hmm that bad valley is not near as deep as it could be. Right. And I think that's where a, a game has to be balanced to a certain extent. You have to be able to have something negative or something not optimal happen, but you have to do it in a way where it doesn't feel so bad that you don't want to ever play again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's a huge mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge bonus. And there's a balance, and it depends on the type of game. I think with social deduction games or stab your friend or take that games, people who enjoy those have a much higher tolerance for that feel bad moment right, right. like someone rolls you know in, in cold and deep someone rolls like you got t- five double daggers right someone's going to die or pretty close to it that's not pleasant when you're the person dying necessarily but if you're playing that 
game, you know that's an option that can happen, and the type of player is going to be a little more okay with that. Whereas if something like that, the equivalent were to have not in Forges, because it's more of a Euro game, that is not going to go over well, right? That's not going to, people are going to be like, that sucked, and then now there's no recovering from it. Right. So I, I, I think there's a balance. Like, nothing should ever feel so bad that you don't ever want to play, but I, I'm very much a believer that there has to be some negative or some kind of lower point in order to have the higher points. Like, oh, someone just picked up that die. That feels bad. However, oh, look, now I'm smart because I can grab this and this. That makes up for it. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I ever felt like there was a runaway moment either. Like, like Sam was just building a better engine, and like it made sense to me when I watched him do it most of the time. But there was never like a, a one thing that you do that you can just take off with the game, right? Um, there was always I, I felt like I always had an option that definitely like increased the feel good moments. Like Sam said, like that was the getting the pellet. Like yeah, yep. you took my dice. What's this one do? All right, and be able to pull something else. Yeah, so, you pull something else. I think I'd hit on the head is uh, in the game we want to empower players to feel smart. Yeah, yeah, we want them to figure out because you want like Ed's right. Like you can't just have this constant positive happening. Mm-hmm. You need to have something that challenges the player so that they can work for it. Right? If you right. literally if you just, if you don't have them push the button at all and just pellets just keep coming down, they start being like, "Nah, I don't want the pellet anymore." But if you make them like you know jump over a hoop and then do it like whatever, like you would provide them with like challenges, and then when they do it, they're like, "Wow, I did great." And that's, that's what you need to do, and I think in a lot of games, is there needs to be moments where the player feels like, I did something cool. Right. Yeah. And so that's what you want to do. And so you constantly, so in Forges, is you're constantly kind of wrestling for position in terms of, like, what dice you're going to pick, which you're going to get. And there's different ways to kind of play it out depending on your strategy. And that's where we try to get different strategies to win, for example. So, like, we've had people, which has been nice to see in the tracker, on like what strategies are doing well, like we have the reputation where I build only like four or five pieces, but like I am mithril, super awesome, amazing, legendary items. Where we've had someone who's like, I just mass produce ten contracts. I don't even care. Yeah, like I just gonna <laughs> just pound these babies out, and it's like they also won the game. And so it's like you're starting to see like different ways of playing the game, or even hybrid approaches. We've had more alchemist focus and merchant focuses, and they're winning games. And the answer is. That's good. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like the hero's journey. Like if they never get challenged, you know, they don't get to go all the way around. Yeah, I get that. They'll never never be a hero. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So this is game number two. Have you have you already started thinking number three? Like what's the future for BA games from here? We have a game we're working on that's um, even different than the other two. Yes. (laughs) That's what I want to hear, Sam. (laughs) I'm here for it. It's uh, a lot simpler. Um, uh, uh, the code name Alchemist. We're not sure if it'll make it yet. Like I tell you, I, you guys are friends, and you know we won't mind talking about it. Like, because as a, as a publisher, you're always working on games. Sure, you have to. Yeah. Um, that was one thing is we were so new to Cult that we finished Cult, and we went all the way through the process before we started designing again. Yeah. Just because we wanted to make sure everyone like everything went well, that we knew what we were doing, and. I think that that worked out. I think that was a good that was the good decision then. Yeah. Now though, we're a little more comfortable. We need to be able to start multitasking a little more into another game. Got it. Yeah. Uh, that way, when Forge is, is getting complete, that we're already ahead on the on the next one. Nice. And nice. so, 
can't talk too much about it. No, no, no. Totally understand. Totally understand. Um, I was, there, there's also a couple other things in the work. Sam's got a couple of ideas for some things. I am personally pitching. Um, oh, is no. it wrong to pick up pizza in a dungeon? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. I think it should be a pizza delivery game with all kinds of anime tropes. And your whole point is you're running the guild to deliver pizza down deep into the dungeon. Um, that is my pitch to Sam. I think it would be the greatest game ever. Obviously, it's a little tongue-in-cheek if sure. you watch anime. Yeah, you I'm know, with you. I, is it wrong to pick up girls in the dungeon? I think it'd be hilarious. To name it. You'd call it, is it wrong to pick up pizza in the dungeon or something like that. I, it would make me so happy. I Sam, I absolutely love this idea. I just want to... <laughs> We want to put our da- our Dapper Meeple stamp of approval on this <laughs> right now. Oh no! <laughs> right? Because like, there's I'm so many little... things you could do with it. That oh would my not, god! Yeah, and it wouldn't have to take itself too seriously, and it could be an absolute blast. I'm just I'm, I'm a little worried because if he actually builds a following, we might have to actually do this thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying like this is my pitch. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're looking so for great. a small box game, I'm just saying I think this has potential here. <laughs> Huge <laughs> potential. Like the right? crossover what? audience is amazing. You, you get to, you get your anime kids in there. You get oh, your D and D kids in there. We all love pizza. You could do right. Oh you yeah, do like is it, you do all the dungeon things. You could make call outs to all kinds of things, right? All of the stupid uh, isekais, right, or isekais, or whatever yeah. the hell it is. I can't speak Japanese. I'm horrible at languages, right? But you could make all kinds of call outs to like all kinds of that ridiculousness, and it would just it would make me happy on the inside. I, I just want to see a thing. pizza mimic. No, 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 go ahead. No, carry on. <laughs> if we do this game. The box will be a fancy pizza box. Oh, absolutely. It has to. Yeah. It absolutely Where has to. It'll be thicker. It'll look like a board game. Yeah. But when you open it, you're going to have to, like, lift it. Pull the tab. Open yeah. up like a pizza box. Oh, yeah. that's so great. That's the same. only way you need to make sure you do that game. You need to make sure you give yourself, too. Like, once it's all packed in, you just need, like, a good, like, inch in there so you can put one of those little plastic tables in, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Find a way to work that into the game, Sam. Start taking notes. <laughs> I already have some ideas for it. <laughs> The thing is that I'm struggling with is I don't know if it should be it. talking about a third or a fourth completely different game. Oh man, it's got a dark, cold theme, cute animals, anime silly pizza runners. It's like yeah, yeah. But the anime you could you could do the you'd have like a faction that's all dark and cult like, and you could like you could totally make some of the call outs to like yeah. What if all your factions Overlord come from your previous like that, games? Right? You, you pull some call outs to you know called Lord Hines, you know, or whatever instead of Lord Hines. You know, there's all kinds of things you could do. It'd be freaking great. You know, throw some Tanya the Evil in there. Um, you know, it'd be great. Hey, we're all rooting for like BA Games to be like the next like Simon. So like yeah, <laughs> let's do this, baby. <laughs> Yeah, but like Simon is consistent. You could do like you could do. That's where they TV. went wrong. <laughs> That's where they went wrong. I'm just saying, you know, and that may not be the next or whatever, right? You know, we could. I have another idea. I think we should do something like um, post-apocalyptic world, and your money is basically blockbuster video VHS tapes. Oh my god! Like yes, that's what's worth money, right? That that is currency is these VHS tapes. Like I don't know why, but just because. And so like blockbusters are like banks, and so that would be great. Like it'd be awesome because then that'd just be awesome. I could have swore someone did that as a game, and I talked to people. Like I have yet to find it. I could have swore I've read that idea somewhere. And if no one has made that game, that <laughs> game should be made, right? Because like blockbusters are horrible places that I grew up in the '90s that were great at the time. Yeah, but like. That should be money. That should be your money. The little VHS tapes in a post-apocalyptic world. It would be the greatest thing. <laughs> Here's ever. exactly what would have happened if the world would have just ended in like '96. This is right. what, this is exactly what you free <laughs> internet. Yeah. Nothing else. '96 blockbuster. 
Maybe a Hollywood video. Oh, yeah. The VHS has turned into money. I don't know how that works, but that's what monetary value is. Currency is VHS tape. It'd be Mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, oh, I, I think these are great ideas. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. See, Sam, I have great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have I have an idea, but Ed's not a huge fan of it either. But, oh no! So basically, it's post-apocalypse, but it's a post-apocalypse mecha dungeon crawler, where like the world has gone to crap, aliens come in, and you end up in this city, and it's you and your survivors, and you have like this rundown mech, and you're you're beating off these different waves. But what happens is there's different scenarios as you progress. You're going to unlock the story of like what really happened. Ooh. But you're also developing like your mech and like the city. So like you're fighting the city. So when you destroy a building. It's not destroyed the rest of the game or you have to pay money to rebuild it and do different things. Or maybe like here's an engineering firm. Do we save that or do we save the hospital? And depending on what happens in the game, now you have to like, oh, crap. But we got some hard so choices. Like, so, right? yeah, so you have hard choices in the game. Oh, I love any game where like that my gaming party is going to have to make like moral decisions, and I will judge you on them later. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Save the bank, huh? All right, <sighs> me watching you. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, it's hard choices. You know, post apocalypse world, like you need the engineers to build defenses for your city, and you can modify and upgrade. And your you'd city. actually save more people by doing that, as opposed to the immediate benefit. Of saving the people, but oh, yeah. maybe there's a couple people there you don't know that will actually benefit you later. I don't know, you know. Right? I, I want you to have to make those arguments to me. Like, no, look, I get it. I just couldn't kill baby Hitler, okay? Like, that's the kind of stuff I want. <laughs> like, I want the moral the moral conundrum. Maybe we won't go that far, but... <laughs> but no, moral conundrums are like TV shows that do it. I think sometimes when they have the choice and they make it, it real, like, there's no good choice. Because sometimes... There is no good choice. Like sometimes the thing yeah. that really sucks about life is there's no good choice. You know, as much as we like to say there's always a right choice, sometimes both choices just blow goats. And I imagine in, in post-apocalyptic world, there's going to be a lot of those lesser of two evils. Yeah. So yeah, Walking Dead did that actually pretty well for both. a lot of their seasons and episodes where it's like, do I do this or this? And like, they're both not great things to do. Yeah. <laughs> they're really not. Can I just walk away? No, not the. So what's a so what's the dream game right now? Like I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but if you could build your dream game, do you have an idea of what that is? For me, it's that oh. one because yeah. what it would be is you'd actually have like cities. So like you'd actually have buildings and stuff. So whenever you play the map, you actually like will, will have a city set up, and you have to play around that city and the scenarios and stuff. So you'll deploy as your mechs and do all different stuff. Then like you'll punch like a giant like alien through like three buildings light them on fire like that's this kind of like or you'll suplex this like giant lizard something like that's what i want to see yeah yeah just not into like a oh but uh, the apartment building's full field crap uh no, this one over here. <laughs> yeah yeah i like it i yeah, like that's, that idea that's sam's dream game right because he'd want to do it and he wouldn't always want to have like little flat tiles and things you'd, you'd want the miniature exactly yeah you gotta you gotta be able to build the building you want the mix and the kaiju and oh, this yeah. that you know it would you want to talk you you're talking CMOD level worth of yeah, it's, oh, but better, but more. Better. <laughs> it just gives me a headache. And just it. as long as you don't mess us up on the shipping after the Kickstarter, we'll be good. Oh my god! <laughs> well, not just the shipping, but the sheer is amount that, of stuff you'd want to do beforehand, and then oh man. And then <laughs> I'm just saying, my wallet still hurts cost. from Marvel Zombies, and uh, they're about to launch their next Zombicide Kickstarter. So. Oh, White Death. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Japanese homicide now or pseudo Japanese? Yeah, oh, that's, medieval. No, it's samurai inspired. Yeah. Like it's all like 
East Asian. Isn't there a medieval one coming out? Like that, a fantasy? That, that's the same one. Zombicide? It, it's a continuation oh, okay. of them, but it has like a kind of an Eastern Asian type theme. So apparently they escaped from Europe. Uh, so just kept moving it on down. Yeah. yeah well, they, did, okay. they did Black Plague, which is honestly, in my opinion, probably the best. Zombicide. That's the one I have. I have. I have Zombicide Black Plague. Is that's it, a good that's one. one you got. Yeah, yeah, I have that one. So I've got the second edition one, which I thought was really good. They streamlined that one really well. Which have you all played Marvel yet? No. Oh my god! Do you know how much fun it is to be like zombie Iron Man and get to eat people? Like, <laughs> it's just wow. Who's the civilian we have to eat? Oh, and it's like somebody else. Like, uh, what's the one Doctor Strange's buddy? Uh, Wong. Oh. Wong. Yeah. 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 It was a good time. It was a good time. I, hopefully, by uh, Gen Con, we'll have uh, all of our stuff in, and we'll have Galactus and all that. So we'll we'll pack them in the car and bring them. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Well, did you pay? Did you get the giant Galactus? Oh, we did. Uh, yes, Sam, yes, we yes, all, we did. We went all in. We're, we're probably going to do like last Gen Con. We had a, a BA day after one of the days. We'll probably do the same thing. So you guys will be invited. Come hang out and we'll play some games, do some things. No, we'll be there. Uh, I'm down. We'll, yeah, we're definitely doing that. Uh, so anything we missed? Anything you guys want to tell people that may be listening? Um, and whether it be like. Where to find old games? Where to find the new game? Um, any like this is this is kind of your five minutes of uh, what does BA Games have to say to the public? I'm the greatest ever. <laughs> no, so what do we have to say to the public? Obviously, you know you, you can find the Kickstarter. There's the places you can play it with a tabletop simulator or a uh, sovereignty if that's your gig. Um, if you have played the game and you enjoy the game, there's the Board Game Geek page. Feel free to rate and comment and do all that stuff. The rule books are. On so there's a there's actually a solo mode with the game, um, and so you, that, that's on the BG page. There's the two different rule books. Um, there's also some clarification because obviously it's still in, in in prototypes going around with reviewers and previewers and at the cons and things like that. The rule books do have some mistakes because it is prototype. It is not finalized. Sure, yep. Um, so there's there are some clarifications. Um, we have a we have a web page. You can go to bagamesco.com. You can email me, Ed, at BAGamesCo.com. You can email Sam at Sam at BAGamesCo.com. Like, happy to talk to people. We have a Discord. If Discord's your gig, hop on the Discord, talk to us directly. Like, that's probably the best thing about trying to do some of this stuff and being some of the stuff is just talking to people. Like, yeah, I like going to the conventions and talking to people. I meet people. Um, been doing it two years now with the conventions. I, I see some of the same people, recognize some of the same people. You know, they're, they're basically like my con friends, right? Right. And, it's freaking just fun to hang out with people and do that kind of thing. Very approachable. So love to answer questions and hear from people um, with any of that stuff. So Kickstarter April 18th. Um, I think the game's fun. Otherwise, I wouldn't make it because who wants to make a game they don't think is fun? Not me. And I'm sure Sam has many more things he'd like to talk about that I have missed. Well, I think you cover most of it. I mean, bagamesco.com is a website yeah, um, and we'll put that, that has a link notes. to our Facebook or Discord, all other stuff. Um, come join us on Kickstarter. Uh, we are. We, this is our second game. Now we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. We're we're excited about it because like uh, it's going really well. We got a lot of good feedback, but you know you always get nervous. I was gonna say things. still you're still a little nervous though, right? Oh, yeah, you do. You get nervous these things. Yeah. And that being said, if Kickstarter is not your jam, right? Not everyone likes the Kickstarter thing. Not everyone wants to do the Kickstarter thing. I get that. If that is the case, find your friendly local game store. Ask the store owner, like, hey, look out for this. Like, hey, you know, 
talk talk to the have the game store talk to the distributor you know because after the successful kickstarter right we'll be you know we'll start doing the pre-orders through retail stores the retailers can always contact us directly or if they just want to contact the distributor directly right or the consolidator whoever whatever whoever they get their games from contact them and be like hey you know do that kind of thing there because you know we try to be retail friendly and you know friendly local game stores is where people are usually brought into the hobby besides their friends and that's, you know, it's it's an integral part of the hobby because it provides a place to play. It provides a pr- place to do things and have things. And, yeah, we all like to play at home with our friends and things like that. But being involved in that community just brings it to more people and allows more people to play, which is a good thing. So, yeah, just basically get the word out. That's what we need. Got it. Um, so whatever it is, tell your retailer. Retailers will also, you know, they can also um, pledge on Kickstarter if they're into it. Yep. Okay. So we'll have a, a retailer pledge option. And it'll like, be a very friendly retailer pledge option. You know, we'll get more details when the Kickstarter is here, but it'll be a friendly. It's not going to be pay us tons and tons of money and then get your game a year and a half later. Got it. No. Got it. So nice. Um, yeah, we're, we're just, we're hyped. We'll be on Origins. Actually, we'll be at Gamma. Yeah, we're, yeah. Tell me what, uh, Origins, yep. Gen Con, and Packs Unplugged. Nice. 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 So people can actually come in and see you guys. Um, and I will tell you, like, we met, Ed, what it was year year and a half ago when you were wandering around yeah. our neck of the woods. Um, <clears throat> yep. you, you guys have always been great to talk to. We had a blast at PAX, getting to stop by and see you guys. We even used their booth a couple times. Like, hey, I'm gonna drop a bag here for a few minutes. I'll be back. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. you're always lighter at the end. Yeah, <laughs> we, that's why we didn't like, check. We were exhausted. Buy? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> hey, I got home with the stuff that I counted. I'm good to go. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to talk to your brother first. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's fine. I probably don't remember all the things I bought at PAX, honestly. So. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying, it's one of those things where you're like, oh. hey, if you want to get in this hobby and save money, don't talk to us because we're going to screw that up. That's just that's just the way it is. So, yeah. uh, but I just want to say thanks, guys, for coming on and getting to talk with us and like getting to talk to us about this new game. We're excited about it too. Uh, so you will be seeing updates if you're on our webpage, uh, if you're on our Facebook. Um, definitely getting the word out when the Kickstarter comes live. Um, Hopefully we bring uh, plenty of people in here. Let's get this thing funded and get it back out the door. Um, like I would love to see good numbers for you guys hit. Like nothing but the best for you guys. Uh, BA, BA Games, from what I, you know, from everything that we know, has been awesome. Um, and it has been great just getting to know you guys. So I want to say thank you guys so much for coming on the show again. Um, we miss Dave, but uh, yeah. we'll get him. We'll get him eventually. We'll bring a mobile Good setup uh, to Gen Con, so we'll get him there. <laughs> That'll be great, actually. He'll love that. Yeah, he would. Yeah, we would. All right, guys. So uh, keep an eye out. We will be uh, grabbing the Kickstarter when it comes out. And any information you want, we will be able to get it. Or like I said, we'll put up the contact information for BA Games. And you can go straight to the source. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>